1: Good afternoon and welcome. I hope everybody's having a great day today, Wednesday, December 28th, the year 2022. Oh, the rumors are spreading like wildfire. LSU basketball gets their real season underway tonight. The Pels try to make it four in a row. The Saints trying to keep their playoff hopes alive and Who's going to win the, in the final four of college football? These stories and much, much more coming your way today. My main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair in the game studios. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, we're also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you
0: miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines.
1: While the LSU Tiger football team is in Orlando riding rides and having some fun and Getting ready for a January second end of the season bowl game appearance against Purdue. Matt McMahon's LSU men's basketball team opens SEC play tonight against a top ten opponent. When LSU hosts ninth ranked Arkansas in Peach Palace, tip off is set for eight p.m. and you can listen to it right here on the game one zero three seven Lafayette one zero four one. Lake Charles. Both LSU and the Hogs are at eleven and one, uh, but LSU hasn't been tested quite like Arkansas has, and they haven't won a bunch of games uh, in, in a manner that would make you feel very comfortable and confident of them. They have um, they have struggled to say to say the very very least. Um, so we've got that. Um, Arkansas will be without guard Nick Smith Jr. and forward Trayvon Brazil who are both injured um, but Arkansas still playing well. We'll see what kind of crowd tonight. 8 p.m. LSU is the underdog in the ballgame and uh, we will see what what that all entails. After tonight LSU goes on the road to Kentucky and then Texas A&M. They return home to host Florida. So it's a very difficult, arduous task here at the start of the season. John Brady will join us in just a few min- minutes the former coach, now the color analyst on the LSU Sports Radio Network will preview the game about the Hogs. The Pell's trying to keep it going, trying to win their fourth straight tonight against the Minnesota Timberwolves with uh, Rudy Gobert and and company. Um Pell's are getting some some injured players back which is good Herb Joe. I mean, uh, Trey Murphy Zion supposed to play tonight. So we will see Uh, the the Pels were off last night. The Denver Nuggets won; they've won five in a row. The Nuggets are now 22 and 11. The Pels are one game back at 21 and 12 Pels. are a game ahead of the Memphis Grizzlies um, who hold down the third spot. So the Pels right now, three game winning streak. Um, I'm trying to make it four, and tonight's certainly a, a winnable game for uh, <clears throat> for the Pels. We'll talk with Shamit Dua um, all about the Pels, and we'll also talk how it's the 20th anniversary, 20-year anniversary since the Charlotte Hornets relocated to New Orleans to become the New Orleans Hornets. And we'll recap tonight at the game they're going to honor uh, a bunch of the, the, the powerful people that made this come to fruition some 23 years after the New Orleans jazz pulled up and moved out to Salt Lake City. So we'll reconvene with that. Chris Rosevelgl will join us in hour number two. Oh my goodness, all the speculation now It's being reported that it's, a, it's the worst kept secret in the NFL. Sean Payton, Tom Brady, package deal, coming to the New Orleans Saints next year. Do you believe that? Do you really, truly believe that? Well, uh, we'll discuss that, preview the Saints and the Eagles. And do you want Tom Brady as your quarterback? Mike Huguenin will join us. Uh, we're down to the final four gets underway in the three days on the 31st, New Year's Eve. Michigan versus TCU, Georgia versus Ohio State. We'll get Huguenin's thoughts on on the Final Four, get his prediction of the LSU-produced Citrus Bowl game and and others as well. Uh, So there you have it with uh, the lineup for today. So we got a lot in store for you and for yours to make sure. Um, Look, Twitter and all that stuff, you got to take it with a grain of salt you got to take it with a grain of salt. Does it mean it's, um, it's out there and people are doing it just to, to get click? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it would be interesting uh, to see how this all transpires. And, and a lot will hold on what happens in the next couple of games. Uh, if, the, if the Pels show some – what if they win both games? Well, they're not going to get rid of Dennis Allen then. Does Tom Brady want to come to New Orleans? Is it a package deal with Sean Payton? Uh, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. I just got word from my producer, James Mesh, um, that Keyshawn Butte won't play in the Citrus Bowl. Well, we'll have to double check on that to see um, if that is indeed the case. I don't know if it's – has he had a change of heart? Um, Let's see. Statement from LSU football. LSU wide receiver Kayshawn Booty is unavailable for the bowl game and not play when the Tigers face Purdue on Monday in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl, head coach Brian Kelly said. Kelly said Booty is enrolled at LSU for the spring semester. Uh, Okay, they didn't come out and say it was COVID-related. So it's certainly not that. You wonder if his grades are in order. That's one possibility um, that's there. Did he break a team rule? Normally, if you break a team rule, they come out and say they broke a team rule. I I have a funny feeling this is academically related, uh, but time will tell. So Keyshawn Booty is unavailable for the bowl game. So stay tuned. Uh, If anything, any other reason that LSU um, is not letting Booty play, it doesn't seem it's not injury-related because they would have said that. It's not COVID-related because they would have said that. I don't think it's a a disciplinary reason because they would have said he broke team rules. They usually come out with those kind of things. When it's dealing with grades, they have the, the, you know – the, the um, protect the students' rights, whatever, they, you know, whatever the term is for that. So that's what it appears to be, just from the outside looking in, just speculating, that's what it appears to be. But Kayshawn Booty, unavailable for the Citrus Bowl. So um, eh, it is what it is. Um, like I said, one player does not make nor break unless you're the quarterback. And then that's a that's a huge issue in another story. <clears throat> so LSU still favored by 14 and a half in that ball game. So stay tuned. Um, let's see. Tua has a concussion. Tua Tagovailoa has a concussion. So Teddy Bridgewater will start at quarterback uh, versus the Patriots in week 17. I don't know how many, um, I don't know how many times now uh, that Tua has suffered this, but it's getting to be, um, a little bit worrisome, uh, as far as the amount of concussion. This is the second time this year. Tua has officially entered concussion protocol, but the former first round pick has battled apparent head trauma three different times in this season. Um, uh, so nothing to sneeze about so the Dolphins uh, sitting to a playing Teddy Bridgewater with their playoff hopes still alive um they got to get a win over the New England Patriots so how important is the backup quarterback well now now you shall see now you shall see um so that's uh the headlines of the day and we've got NBA talk coming up, college basketball talking with the the NBA. uh, You know, DraftKings is my go-to when betting on the NBA this holiday season. Right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving Louisiana NBA fans a special gift. For a limited time, you can get a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this season, this this December. Everyone can earn a no-sweat bet with DraftKings Sportbook. Place an eligible bet of your choice on a New Orleans game if it doesn't hit. You'll get your money back in a free bet. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers can sign up with promo code 1037GAME and get a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and opt in today to receive this limited-time offer. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana, select parishes only. Max reward limits apply. One free bet issued based on the amount of initial losing bet. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. LSU Hoops, SEC opener against ninth-ranked Arkansas. We'll get a preview with color analyst former LSU coach John Brady when we return to the Jordy Helpert show on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15
0: p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: And we are back. at 16 minutes after the hour on this Wednesday, December 28th. Matt McMahon's LSU Hoops team begins SEC play tonight, hosting ninth-ranked Arkansas Peach palace tip is set for eight you can listen to all the action here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 1 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station and when you do you'll hear the voice of the former lsu head coach now the color analyst for the lsu sports radio network good friend john brady kind enough to join us on this game day man i hope you had a great christmas and a happy early new year john
2: yeah, had a good Christmas, and same to you. Hope you had a good Christmas, and looking forward to the new year, Jordy.
1: Yeah, did you get some new golf yeah. clubs? Or I mean, what, what, did Santa bring you something good? I didn't, I didn't get any new golf clubs, but i I
2: got a I got a bunch of golf balls that I that I lose. So, <laughs> you know, you can't have enough balls out there on the golf course.
1: No, no, yes, <laughs> yes. Um. I'm with you, one thousand uh, percent. Mine always <laughs> seem to find the the woods or the water. So either way, <laughs> that's how I am. All right. Um, I've talked about it, talked about it before. We're going to find out what this LSU basketball team's all about uh, because league play comes uh, comes a calling. And uh, Coach Musselman's Arkansas Razorbacks, good club. What what have you seen in Arkansas? And tell me about them a little bit.
2: Well, Arkansas's got a couple of players. I think they're going to be a little short-handed tonight, yep. which, which bodes well for for LSU. But you know, if you look at the Arkansas team, Jordy, you know they they, they score a lot of balls in the paint, and that, it doesn't mean they're throwing it to Shaquille in there, turning mm-hmm. around and playing with his back to the goal. They they score balls in the paint because they turn you over, uh, they get balls in transition. They drive the ball to the goal and get fouled and complete plays around the goal. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're not a great three-point shooting team. uh, So I think one of the big keys for LSU is taking care of the ball tonight, uh, making some baskets so they have to walk the ball up the floor. You'd set a defense, not giving them easy baskets, and make Arkansas beat LSU in the half court with half court execution.
1: That's a great point. Uh, when they're when they're running the hogs, they're tough uh, without question. So it's a it's an elite defensive club. So I would imagine that um, LSU wants to. It, it's a fine line, right? You don't want to get into their pace because that makes them better, but you don't want Arkansas to be able to set up in a half court situation. You'd rather get some numbers. So how do you manage that that positioning of the pace of the game?
2: Well, I think LSU just takes what comes to them. If they can turn it over and get numbers, uh, certainly take the easy baskets, uh, but at the same time, when they need to, to execute in a half court, uh, they need to do that as well. And mm-hmm. and you know, the, the, the last three or four games, we've played six-minute games and had to execute down the stretch in order to beat some teams. So uh, I think that will help us in a partic- in this particular game tonight, but I think LSU just takes it as it comes. If they turn them over and get it easy, uh, or if they rebound it and run a break, but then also recognize when they don't have numbers and run good half-court offense themselves. But, you know, Arkansas needs the free-throw line. They need you to turn it over and get layups. They need to drive the ball. Uh, And so if we can take that away from them and make them do something that they're not used to doing, Executing in the half court for extended periods without filing. i think that'll be a key tonight.
1: John Brady with us. KJ Williams has been uh, consistent, game in, game out. He he's uh, he, he's playing at an all-SEC level, as far as I'm concerned. Then, then after that, and we've discussed this before. Where are the where are the points? Where are the numbers going to come from? I know you do it by committee, but but you need another player. Boy, Adam Miller has struggled mightily of late, uh, but it seems like Mm -hmm. coach McMahon has the utmost of confidence in him and good for Adam Miller. He can shoot himself out of a slump.
2: Well, it's, it's like, where are you going to go though? You know, I think that's the key. I mean, Adam Miller has done it before. Hopefully he'll get back right to doing it again. And then there was a three game stretch, four game stretch where Cam Hayes, you know, played well, but he got Mm -hmm. in foul trouble last game. And, hit his first couple of shots, and then didn't score the rest of the game. So, you know, I think that's LSU's biggest drawback is is where do they go to score baskets. Yeah. You know, because the SEC is going to do everything they can to take K.J. Williams out of the game, right. guard him at the three-point line when they throw it to him on the block, uh, maybe come double-team him and make somebody else beat us. And unless Cam Hayes or or, or, or... Uh, are consistent from the perimeter, you know it's going to be tough for LSU. I think from time to time to score, provided they do a good defensive job on KJ Williams.
1: Don Brady, with us, P- guard play so so important. You bring over uh, a point guard and Justice Hill from Murray State. Um, the, your backcourt is is important. How do you feel about LSU's backcourt as they get ready to go against some of the best guards in the country?
2: Yeah, I think, I think we're going to be okay in terms of, of taking care of the ball. Uh, you know, okay. we, haven't, we haven't turned the ball over a lot. We've gotten better at that the last three or four games. Justice Hill's assist-to-turnover ratio is, is quite good. So I think the handling of the ball will be fine. Uh, but you, you never know with, with the pressure Arkansas puts on us. I don't think we have faced that kind or this kind of pressure we're going to see yeah. tonight but remains to be seeing how good we handle it. I think the biggest thing for LSU is can our guards score the ball against their guards. You know, I think we get it up, take care of it. But our execution in the half court, if it's not K.J. Williams, Adam Miller and Cam Hayes have to play well tonight, in my opinion, for us to have a chance to win.
1: The job Eric Musselman's done at Arkansas. You, when you were coaching LSU, it, man, Arkansas was, <laughs> man, they were so good. Ooh. And that SEC tournament, Arkansas, Kentucky, it was just, it was, it was great. Then they kind of dipped a little bit, but now Musselman, in his fourth year, boy, he's done a terrific job there.
2: Yeah, and, and and it all starts with recruiting. You know, you, yeah. You, it, there's three things I think you have to do well to have a successful program. You've got to recruit well uh, you've got to schedule smart and then you've mm-hmm. got to coach him up and and, yep. and he's done all three of those he certainly has recruited well He schedules smart and certainly he's done an excellent job of coaching and you put those three things together uh, it's hard not to have a successful program and that's what he's doing uh,
1: I have no doubt Matt McMahon can uh, will be able to do all that he was under the most unusual of circumstances um, did he schedule smart given the team that he inherited and kind of put together on the fly uh, for once, for one reason, I believe he did uh, rather than play a bunch of big time schools and, you know, maybe get beat here and there, build some confidence, find out who can and who can't and, and go from there. But how do you feel about the schedule at 11 and one right now?
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think the schedule is right for where the program is and where this team needed to get to. Uh, it, it they played some close games. They've won some close games. Uh, they're used to winning. Uh, I think we're well coached, uh, and I think it's, it was the right thing to do. I, I totally agree that it wasn't the time or the place to run out and play a, a schedule like Alabama has played. You know, we weren't right. ready for that. It's not his fourth year, it's his right. first year with 10 new players uh, and three coming back, and only two of the three played. So we'll see now, though. It it, it gets pretty uh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty competitive now. So yeah. we'll see in the next four or five games just where we are. Yeah,
1: this will be eye-opening for either in a positive way or in a negative way. And as a first-year coach at LSU, when you think about what Brian Kelly's done with football, what Kim Mulkey's done with women's basketball, Coach Johnson with LSU baseball, there's a lot of pressure uh, un- unforced and unwarranted and un, and not fair on Coach McMahon. I mean, these first-year coaches have, have been unbelievable.
2: Yeah, but I, I tell you what, Jordy, being around him and listening to him talk and, and, and interviewing him after the game, as Chris Blair does really well, he, he kind of keeps a good perspective about uh-huh. where his particular program is, where his particular team is, not necessarily comparing it to other coaches and what right. they've done, you know. Mulkey's had a year. The baseball coach has had a year. He's preseason number one. Yep. You know, Brian Kelly came in and, you know, had a good quarterback. He they have done a nice job with him. Let's just sit back and let let, let Coach McMahon develop his program right. in his own way and in his own time.
1: No question. I'm with you. I like him. I think he's a heck of a coach. Um I've already talked, we've already discussed he's got some of those old school traits with screening on offense and movement without the ball that's I think really, really good and unusual in today's game. Now it's always, here's the guard, let's go set a high screen and let's uh, pick and pop and do play. that kind of stuff. But they got movement, yeah. and, and I really like that. So so we shall see. Uh, you'll have the call of the game. It's a late tip, 8 o'clock. That darn television yeah. always gets in the way, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm,
2: a, I'm not a fan of 8 o'clock games. I, <laughs> I'd be a bigger <laughs> fan of a 6 o'clock game. I like 7 yes. o'clock. But- Eight o'clock games aren't up my my, my <laughs> repertoire. I don't, not something I really request.
1: Yes, well, have a cup of coffee and uh, and it should be a great game. Hopefully the hopefully the um, the old building will will be filled and students will show up because, uh, like you said, it's uh, the intensity will increase significantly starting tonight. John Brady happiest of new years to you my friend thank you so much for coming on and uh, all the best to you and your your beautiful family i appreciate it thanks Jordan. anytime okay. man you got it my man john brady right. color analyst on the lsu sports radio network eight o'clock tip you can listen to it here uh on the game without question without doubt did you know now that uh you scored a, an amazon alexa or a google home smart speaker if you got one for christmas You can now use it to listen to the game southwest louisiana sports station just ask your alexa or google home to play the game southwest louisiana it's that easy so do the smart thing and have the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles with you at your office at your home and everywhere you go pels t wolves preview next here on the Jordy helpert show on the game one zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. Your home for the Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros.
0: A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss take this. that productivity in the workplace. This is the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports
1: station. Can the Pels make it four in a row? Well, they will try and do that tonight inside the Smoothie King Center as the Minnesota Timberwolves come to town. So let's go to our expert from um, Boot Crew Media, Bourbon Street Shots, a contributor at WDSU-TV. He is here, there, and everywhere. Shamet Dua, kind enough to join us. Happy early New Year, my friend. How are you? Happy early New Year. I'm doing
3: well, thought out a little bit, you know as the warm weather has uh, made its way back into the city. I'm excited for uh, this, this year game coming up, which is supposed to be a sellout.
1: Oh good. Good. It's all about who is and who isn't. What's the latest injury update on the, the Pelicans who somehow beat Indiana with a whole bunch of their star players out? Uh, Zion
3: Williamson, Trey Murphy, and Dyson Daniels will be available tonight to play. Uh, so that's, that's going to be a tremendous boost oh. to their, their offense. And, uh, Herb Jones remains in health and safety protocols. Uh, he will have to test out of that, uh, produce a few negative tests to get out of that. And then Brandon Ingram remains sidelined with his toe injury.
1: Okay. So you get three, uh, three of your five back. So that's, that's all on a positive note. um, and, and we, we talk about it all the time. Uh, the depth of this club is what is so strong. And I was of the belief at one point in time because I never saw anything happening with Jackson Hayes. Uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of, of that. And um, uh, But now, when given the opportunity, he's been terrific. So I say don't make a trade. Let's keep this group intact. The chemistry seems great. Let's not mess with it. And let's let this team play through the season. Uh, that's I've, I've changed my I've changed my mind on this, Shamit. What about you? Um, I I don't think I'm there. I, I think okay.
3: that the idea of, of of chemistry, while important, is a little bit overstated. I think talent is the predominant driving okay. factor towards winning championships in in this league. And uh, if you have a window to open up, uh, which I think the Pelicans do, given the state of the West, I mean they're. Um, they're second in the West right now. Uh, you know, half a game behind the Nuggets. Who, if, if the Pelicans win tonight, I think the Nuggets drop one. The Pelicans take the the one seed. Um, anything can happen in this league, and they have a tremendous opportunity to push their chips in a little bit and and pursue a deep playoff run, pursue um, a, a championship spot. I, I'm making those trades without hesitation, and you know, it, it's nice that the Pelicans' depth has been able to step up. I don't think the depth is going to go away if they make a trade um, here or there. Uh, so I really don't think they're going to compromise on anything. But, I, you know, I heard the same arguments last year, like, oh, the Pelicans are doing fine. You don't want to mess up the chemistry. Change the, uh, you know, trade Josh Hart, who was responsible for setting the tone and culture and bringing a guy in like CJ. And and we all know how that turned out, right? Yeah. You know, they traded yeah, for right. CJ They made the playoffs. So uh, I think if there's another opportunity to bring in a guy of that caliber or, you know, someone that helps them um, round out their rotation, um, fill an area of need, they should absolutely pursue it without hesitation.
1: There you go. Now I'm back riding on your fence post again. So you've convinced me I'm flip-flopping like crazy. Um, Minnesota comes to town. Maybe one of the more disappointing teams in the league. They traded everything to get Rudy Gobert. Um, but they're just 16 and 18. They've lost three in a row. They are in 11th place in the Western Conference out of the play-in picture. Um, tell me your scouting report on the T-Wolves. Well, the, the, like you said, the T-Wolves have been inconsistent
3: uh, night in and night out. They just don't really have an identity on, on what they want to do. and they invested a ton of assets in Rudy Gobert, and they're struggling to keep him on the floor at the end of games when, yeah. when teams space, space it out, start shooting a bunch of threes, go small. Uh, they've been having to do offense-defense subs with, with Nas Reed, who's been having actually a breakout year. He's been playing really well. Um, and he's up for a new deal with them, so it's going to be interesting. Interesting to see what they do regarding him, since they have about 350 million dollars invested in the center position anyway. Um, wow. But it, the it's going to be stopping Anthony Edwards uh, from getting in the paint. He's a tremendous young talent. If they can stop him from getting in the paint, opening things up for 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 the other players, and uh, basically uh, turning D'Angelo Russell into into someone that's going to be a little bit more of a facilitator than a shooter. Um, I, I, they should be in good shape. So I think, I think the Pelicans match up quite nicely, though mm-hmm. uh, I, I do think the way the Pelicans have been playing, like the Wolves will be able to keep Rudy Gobert on the floor, but I think that also bails out the Pelicans because that's a guy that they can put Larry Nance on and really not worry about uh, getting posted up or, or scored on. They can right. defend Rudy with, with smaller players and, and come out fine to- on the other end as long as they keep the offense going.
1: Yeah, you just got to keep him off the boards uh, and not let him get the uh, the garbage buckets that he's uh, famous for but he, he's right. no threat he's no threat with his back to the basket um like that you you're right uh, they're they're going to be celebrating um at halftime some of the some of the very influential people that helped pull pull off the the relocation of the uh, of the Charlotte Hornets to New Orleans i can't believe it's 20 years already um, but, uh, man, thank goodness that the Ray Woolridges of the world, um, fell in love with new Orleans and had, had a background in new Orleans. And, uh, uh that was quite a, that was quite a memorable moment. And, and it's been, uh, with trepidation throughout, man, they George shouldn't want to keep him in Oklahoma city because he had such a sweet deal, but the NBA said, no, 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 you're coming back. Then they, then they had to sell it, the team to the NBA. And then the Benson's came and took over. It's been never a dull moment, but for the first time, Shamit, since I've been in, and I was involved when day one, man, this thing's steady now. You don't hear all the, it was constant rumor after rumor after rumor and innuendo after innuendo. It was just terrible, but boy, it's on a solid foundation now.
3: Well, it, it's ironic that this game is against the Timberwolves because originally that was the franchise that was going to relocate, and yes. it was basically a done deal until the last minute. Um, and, and the Timberwolves backed out of that. The city agreed to, to, um, I think it was like fund the new arena over there or whatever it was that, that collapsed mm-hmm. the deal. Um, so I- ironic that this is the game that they're choosing to celebrate it on. And, 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 yeah, you're right. I think the city should be grateful for, for the team and, and the success that it's having this season. And, um, you, it's, there's an article that came out today that, that's basically saying that they're going to um, extend the lease on, on the Smoothie King uh, Center that they're currently at. So should be another few years on that. Maybe I think it was a five-year extension uh, once it's up in, in, I think, 18 months or so. So okay. they're going to be in this building, at least for the foreseeable future, until... Um, I think there's a little bit more influx of of money from the expansion side of things in the NBA whenever they decide to go in that direction, and mm-hmm. and, and, and new TV deals get worked out. And I think at that point, um, the Pelicans will start exploring perhaps new arena options. But yeah, the Where, it will be here in in this arena.
1: It's so cool to be in, uh, in in that downtown area. Where would they build a new arena in your in in your thought process?
4: Well, the, the
3: proposed area. Um, that a lot of people have brought up uh, is, is that like Mardi Gras World area, kind of by the convention center. Um, okay. just there, there's, there's a stretch of land out there. So, um, not, not a bad spot, not, you know, totally, uh, it, there's, there's like highways that, that get off of the, the exits that get off of there. So, like, it's not going to be terrible from a, a logistics standpoint in terms of getting there and, um, and still, you know, in the downtown area, obviously not, uh, quite in the heart where, where Champion Square is at the moment. But, um, right. I, I believe that's, that's the, the proposed plan. Yeah.
1: Let's tear down the old Municipal Auditorium. I used to watch the Jazz play games in the Municipal Auditorium. Um, I used to watch the Jazz play games in at the Loyola Fieldhouse. I mean, they used to bounce around everywhere, um, and then they would play in the Superdome. So uh, that was the old-time, old-time Jazz with Pistol Pete and company. But um, when I talked about this franchise being on a solid foundation, we have we still haven't seen enough of this group all healthy playing together for an extended period of time give me give me 20 games with ingram with zion with cj with herb and all these give me give me 20 games so we can see exactly what this team is what do you think of this team is it a legit NBA Western Conference finalists go to the NBA Finals type of a club? You know, I, I think
3: anyone who says something definitively about what kind of team this is, uh, it, it probably has something to sell, just because, again, like all of us, right. we don't know. We right. haven't seen them on the court to make that decision. I think, like, you know, if you're conservative about their approach, uh, you would err on the side of caution and say, well, statistically, uh, you know, the odds of making the Western Conference Final for any team uh, is, is slim. So you can't say this is like an odds-on favorite to make it. So, But I, honestly, like I feel like that's a little bit of a cop-out answer. Um, and, you know, as I said earlier in the show, if I, I think they have the the top-end talent. They clearly have the depth. But if they can make that one move that really increases their chances – to, to really push the chips in, uh, I would support that, and, and I think that would really solidify it. But you know, you look at their peers right now. The Suns are floundering. Um, you know, Devin Booker's going to be out a month. Oh, Memphis right. has has uh, lost these last couple in in kind of an embarrassing fashion. Um, they're they're an, you know they're good, but like uh, they're they're a team who can't score in the half court, which is traditionally what you need in in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Denver's number one. Um, and, you know, denver, Denver's denver got, what, the reigning two-time MVP. So mm. they have as good a good chance, as any, to, to, I guess, make the, the conference finals. And then they're getting healthier. But, you know, when the Pelicans played Denver, um, they played them really well. The Pelicans did yeah. really well. So it's not really a matchup that terrifies me. And I think Golden State's the the last one. And Steph's out. Who knows how long Steph's going to be out. But they they're the reigning champions and they've shown that they, they've got a gear that they can hit that none of these other teams, uh, have hit. So, right, yeah, right. I, I think, I think it's as open as, as it has been in a long time. And that's why I'm such a strong proponent of solidifying the roster to, to put what? yourself in the, in that position and, 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 and grab the top seat or grab, you know, the top positions in the West and, and not let go.
1: We talk about it. It seems like every time I, I I'm with you, but without naming a, Name uh, the name of a player. What type of player does this team need to make it even better? What style of a player are you looking for?
3: I think they can go in two directions. The the two directions they can go are. are augmenting or improving their big man rotation. Uh, Obviously, I'm a big fan of Jonas Valanciunas, and I think they they are actually underutilizing him, and and they need to utilize him, especially at the end of of some games where the teams are bigger than you. Um, But it it just doesn't seem like they have that level of confidence in him, just uh, this season, the way they've utilized him. So mm-hmm. if, if that's the case, if you don't, if you don't feel comfortable playing him against the uh, Alexi Pocusevies of the world or the Walker Kesslers of the world, then, then find someone you are comfortable playing. And um, so, so someone maybe that can protect the rim, shoot a few threes, rebound the ball, that kind of stuff. I just, okay. I, I really don't think that that player's out there. So if you're, if you're improving that spot, then you got to go either at like the shooting direction, like someone like Kristaps Perzingis, again, very big contract, tough to acquire, um, or you know like DeAndre Ayton from the Suns has been on the block. He's not a shooter, but you know we've all seen what he can do on the offensive sure. end, um, rebalance the ball. So. Maybe those are players that would be more comfortable playing at the end of games. But if you're not going in the big man direction, if, if small ball is really the direction uh, that they want to take, they want to stick with their, their switching, then, they, then, then the other option they have is to improve their small unit. So uh, that would be finding a wing size player who can defend multiple positions at a high level and shoot the ball. Shooting is, is paramount when you play small. Uh, because you're going to give up, you're going to give up rebounds, you're going to give up size, you're yep. going to give up interior rim protection. So how do you combat then? That well, you got to get up threes, and you got you got to make them. So, um, yeah, I, you said like don't name a player, but the guy I'm looking at is OG Ananobi from the Toronto Raptors. They're kind of reeling as a team. There's been talks about him being, uh, you know, on the trade market for for quite mm-hmm. some time now. I think he'd cost a pretty penny, but uh, he sure would make this team a lot better. Hmm.
1: Very good. I mean, if you could just tell me Najee Marshall is going to play every night like he's been playing of late, I would say, hey, we're fine, we're fine. But you know, <laughs> con- consistency <laughs> yeah. is everything, and I can't, I can't depend upon that, Shaman.
3: No, you're, you're, you're right. Um, but you, you do welcome those performances, and the fact that he, Najee, has stepped up uh, every time that he's been putting in a starter's yeah. role um, is, has been huge. Because I think a lot of people, including myself, are a little bit out on him based off his preseason performance. And too. and he's proven us wrong, proven me wrong. Um, just the ability to rise to the occasion when your name is called. Um yeah. is it, huge. You know, you may not get that every night, but you've gotten it when you needed it.
1: Hell's favored six and a half. What do you think?
3: I feel I feel good about this. Minnesota's just yeah a team full of bad vibes. (laughs) I I would, you know, if the Pelicans lose this game, I would categorize it as a bad loss. This is a team. If you're a top team in the league, top team in the West, these are the games you're expected to win. These are the games, especially at home, you know, you're supposed to uh, protect home court, getting Zion back. You have the star power. Um, This is a game they should win. They just got to not beat themselves. So don't turn the ball over. Don't let them get on transition. Um, control the glass as much as you can, and and they'll be all right. I think they'll be all right.
1: Do any of the Pels make the All-Star team? They've been hurt so much, and they've missed so much time. When they're on the court, they're dynamic, but uh, have the injuries, is that going to cause um, them to miss out on the, the All-Star game, you think?
3: I don't think it'll cause Zion to miss out. I mean, the, the guy's an MVP candidate. He actually hasn't missed that, that many games relative to okay. other uh, players who are in All-Star talk, and you know, I, w- I would hope, uh, given the Pels' Performance uh, and their their standing, yes and 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 his own brand power that he's going to get voted as a starter. i would I would hope, that but would you know, I think every coach in the league recognizes he's an all star, so the coaches will put him in there. Um okay. you know, he's been the engine of the pelican success. the depth notwithstanding. Um, I, I, other pelicans no, I, I don't think any other pelican
1: makes an all star game. I am with you, shamet do a twenty one and twelve are the pels right now 21 and 20. we talked about it I, I can't remember what their record was last year after 33 games i know it was nowhere close to 21 wins what a difference a year makes amazing yeah
3: the this type of improvement should not be taken for granted and right. and you know sh- uh, hats off to the organization from the front office to the coaching staff and in <clears throat> in ownership too um they they deserve the credit for for building this
1: David Griffin, you have my utmost of apologies. I thought you wouldn't even be around anymore uh, because I thought you were doing a terrible job, but I was wrong and readily admit it. I'd much rather grovel like that and have this team winning. Let's see if it is a sellout tonight, but you get uh, Zion back. You get Trey Murphy back, um, just to name a few. So that's good. We can never get Brandon Ingram healthy. Then we can see what this team is all about. Shamit, enjoy. Uh, let's get four in a row, and let's keep this ball rolling, man. But thank you as always, and happy new year, my friend. Always great talking yeah. to you. Happy new year to you too. All right, buddy. You take care. Shamit Dua, um, kind enough to join us uh, as he covers the Pels all the time. Uh, get Monday at Mardi Gras started the right way with a real fun run. Trail presents the Lundy Gras Barathon. Monday, February 20th. It's four miles through Freetown, just south of the parade route. Wear a costume, enjoy free drinks throughout the course served at the adult hydration station. A party bus will follow close behind so runners can jump aboard at any time. Run all or some or none. The audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest, so bring your loudest, craziest friends. It's the LundyGraw bar a Free drinks, food, and prizes. Register now at latrail.org. That's the Lundy Graw Barathon. We're back to wrap up our number one after this timeout here on the Jordy Hulberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Jordy Holberg was
0: draining three pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene or was even born. Now, back to the Jordy Holberg Show on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Tune in tonight from 6 to 7 for the McNeese Coaches Show, presented by Maplewood Burgers, line a bit out of Westlake, and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gazzola will be talking all things Cowboys with McNeese Athletic Director Heath Schroyer. So tune in tonight, uh, starting at 6 for the McNeese Coaches Show, right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Then at 8 o'clock tonight, it is LSU basketball, as they will take on Arkansas. Coming up, hour number two. Do you really, I mean, it's all just pure D rumors and hype and all that fun stuff. But would you be interested in a Sean Payton slash Tom Brady combination in the New Orleans Saints organization? Would you be interested in that? Would you like that? Does Tom, is Tom Brady the missing piece of the puzzle? Are there enough offensive weapons? Is the offensive line good enough? Because Tom Brady is certainly not the Tom Brady of old. He is limited. Could Tom Brady do to New Orleans what? peyton manning did to denver kind of be a game manager don't make mistakes get rid of the ball quickly is there enough there to be able to win a super bowl and that's what you have to weigh and um and 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 at what cost at what cost if any of it is even remotely close to being true but it's kind of gaining some steam and a life of its own and people are talking about it and wondering about it and speculating about it, uh, I have no clue. I have no clue. If you could tell me, um, is Sean Payton a better coach than Dennis Allen? I don't know if there's any question about that. None whatsoever. Is Tom Brady a one-year answer? How much longer is he going to play? Is he even going to play after this year? Who knows? But if if he had one more year left in him, is he the answer in New Orleans? Well, he certainly got the tracker. We saw it up close and personal with their come-from-behind win over the Saints. Is there enough around him from a skill position set to to make it work? Um, do the Saints have that tight end? Well, I don't know. Chris Olave, yes. Is, is Michael Thomas ever going to play again for the Saints? Is, is he ever going to be healthy? We don't know. We'll talk all about this and much, much more in hour number two here It's our number two of two, and away we go on this Wednesday, December 28th, the year 2022. Hope everybody's having a great day. Kids still enjoying some time off from school. Everybody prepping for all the big action that awaits us as far as um, college football playoff games, down the stretch NFL games. We got the SEC men's basketball beginning today, LSU hosting Arkansas, the women get ready tomorrow with LSU and Kim Mulkey going to Arkansas. And we got the Pels tonight trying to make it four straight if they can beat the Minnesota Timberwolves. But we begin our number two with um, something that's kind of taken a life of its own. Take it with a grain of salt, please. But speculation, rumors running rampant of the Saints um, next year with a, new, with a new head coach in Sean Payton and a new starting quarterback in Tom Brady. Huh. Well, let's see what my main man, Chris Rosevoglu, who's a podcaster for Boot Crew Media, amongst many, many other things, what his thoughts are on such a topic. But I uh, hope you had a great Christmas, Chris, and happy early New Year, buddy. How are you?
5: I'm doing great, Jordy. Hope the same for you guys. I hope you guys have a great 2023 as well. Uh, but yeah, what a what an interesting kind of way for Saints fans to kick off this week, and Instead of talking about the Eagles game, which is obviously going to be a big one, it's kind of the focus on what's going on with with Sean and Tom Brady. And I'll say this about it. If you told me to put a a percentage on it, I wouldn't do anything crazy. I wouldn't put any high percentage on it. But the weird thing is this is now the third time that Sean Payton and Tom Brady have been linked together. And this is also the second time in the last month that – John Payton's been linked back to the Saints. So I think when stuff like this comes out, it's coming from someone legitimate, someone's side mm-hmm. of the story. Uh, I'm just wondering why and why right now?
1: Yeah, that that, and who knows? But usually where there's smoke, there's a fire somewhere. And um, I, I don't know uh, why it all of a sudden pops up after, you know, Denver fires their coach. And, you know, it's almost Black Monday. It's not that far down the road. And we shall see. If you told me that Tom Brady could do for the Saints what Peyton Manning did for the Broncos, I'm all in. I just want to win. I'd love another Super Bowl. I don't give it much percentage points odds of that ever happening. I don't know what Tom Brady's thinking, obviously, but do the Saints have everything you need? Is it all? Are we just missing a very older, very different Tom Brady? To be a Super Bowl champion again? I
5: I don't think they have everything yet, but the thing about Tom Brady, and we kind of saw it when he went to the Buccaneers, you know, whatever those areas of weaknesses may be, there could be some veterans that would come along the way and and be ready for the ride. You know, I think of guys like Leonard Fournette and and who just couldn't wait, and even Gronk who just couldn't wait to go play with Tom mm-hmm. Brady. And I'm not saying you bring those guys to New Orleans. But there are, there's always going to be a market for guys who, A, want to play with Brady and, B, just want to play on a, on a contending team. And I do think the idea of Sean and, and Tom Brady pairing up for next year in terms of on paper, they should be able to win a division that you have to take into account. Brady would be away from the Bucs, so that would hurt them. And the Panthers and Falcons are both kind of going through rebuilds. The Panthers um, having, obviously, more success right now in the field, but... I think the division would be up for grabs, and they'd be able to take that. The question is, though, you know, would they be improving the running back room, which I think needs to get better? Would they be improving the defensive line, which I think needs to get not only better but also get younger? So mm-hmm. they would still have areas of weaknesses, but I do think that the Saints right now, uh, the O-line is better than Tampa Bay's in terms of not just health, health but depth, and I think that would really help out Tom Brady. I also think he'd have a nice mix of veteran playmakers – with younger guys like Rashid, Shaheed, and Chris Olave, but there would still be work to do, but, but don't get me wrong, this would be a fascinating scenario, and I think the, the most intriguing aspect of this whole thing, if it were to go down, would be you'd give yourself another year to evaluate your options for the future. So while Brady would be holding down the Ford in 2023, you're still looking around to say, okay, who's going to be the yep. quarterback of the future because he's not going to play forever.
1: That's a great point. Uh, if If this hype dream were to become reality do you think sean payton could convince dennis allen to remain on as a defensive coordinator
5: i'd imagine no it's such a you know we're in kind of unchartered territory here because there's a lot of right. people who are like well i think it's a silly thing to bring up and, and my response would be well, we've never really seen this before right coach right. kind of stepped down the guy who was under him takes the job and then all of a sudden there's rumors about him potentially coming back like this is a completely new scenario. No one really knows how something like this will play out. But my guess would be they'd have to move on, right? I, I think for Dennis Allen, and I would even blame him if, if he got frustrated by all this. And honestly, mm-hmm. I'm sure all this you know, all this noise going around, it doesn't Ugh. particularly sit well with him, especially when the team actually is on their first winning streak of the season. And right. who knows, technically still has a puncher's chance to make the playoffs. But yeah, I'd imagine he wouldn't be part of this equation, especially when you have Adam Schefter already reporting that Vic Fangio could be a defensive coordinator for Sean Payton wherever he goes next. So, for those reasons, I'd probably imagine Da in this pipe dream scenario would go elsewhere.
1: If you were the owner, um, would you want this to to take place? Sean Payton, Tom Brady, New Orleans. You know, I think especially when
5: we when we look at the Saints, when you're in the market for winning, you talked about I just want whatever can get you know me a Super Bowl. I mean, I think this would be the best route to get there. Now, is the window probably smaller? Sure. But what's the window right now, right? It's not exactly looking great. So I I think for them, if if it's about winning and fixing it, yeah, I think it would help. But you'd also kind of want a commitment from Sean Payton past, let's say, a year or two because – who's to say maybe two, three years go by, the contract expires, doesn't re-up, and it's like, well, now I can just pick up my things and go elsewhere, and you don't really want to fall into that trap. But I do think if we're talking about 2023, and you're the ownership group, and you're thinking, okay, what gives us our best chance to win? Right now that seems to be the best option, but again, this is going to be a really, really wild offseason. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other doors that open up. I mean, Derek Carr could be a guy that's on the market for for a team like the Saints, and maybe that's an option to look at. So I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. Either way, I think we will get a very exciting and, and, and a lot of changes uh, in New Orleans.
1: A lot of changes. They are coming. No question about that. Still in all, the Pels, um, uh, the Pels, the the Saints, with an opportunity to keep their faint playoff hopes alive uh, if they can go into Philly and win. I look at the game, and I'm looking at every aspect of it that I can think of, and I'm like, Saints can't win that game. They just can't. Tell me, tell me if I'm crazy and, and why.
5: You know, it's so tough, because I think if you're the Eagles, this might be the game where maybe you decide to rest people. And and for starters, you're not going to have your all-pro offensive tackle in Lane Johnson, so that's going to be a big hit. As of now, it's still early, but Jalen Hurts didn't practice Wednesday, and look, if he doesn't practice Thursday, I, I don't think he plays Sunday, and they might save right. him for the final week of the season, because all they need is one win, and they have the top seed in the NFC. And, and honestly, I, I don't know if they really want to go back-to-back weeks with sitting their guys, but... So who's to say they don't maybe rest some players this week, play in week 18, then they get another bye after that where they can feel you know fully charged for the divisional round. So, look, I think even if Minshew plays and the, the Eagles aren't at 100%, you're still going to put them as the favorites for this game. They've been the better team, both in talent and in the way they've been coached. And you look at the Cowboys game last week, I mean, it's not like they got blown out of Jerry's world there. They were in it right to right. the very end. They had a drive going, and if it weren't for a couple of incomplete passes, they might steal a win in Dallas, but what I look at in terms of formula are two things. I think for one, forcing turnovers. Dallas did a really good job of doing that. I believe the Eagles had four turnovers, and you know the Saints have done, I'd say, a poor job this year of forcing turnovers, but if you look at the Cleveland game, did have an interception there. Uh, You even look at uh, the way they've kind of played against the Falcons, did a good job there. So I think the defense is playing better where they can keep themselves in it if it's not Jalen Hurts. If Jalen Hurts plays, I think the running dynamic makes it so tough, but let's say he's Mm -hmm. not playing Defense needs to step up, but also offensively, you saw that Eagles' pass defense be a little susceptible to the big play. You know, whether it was a T.Y. Hilton fresh off the, the right. streets and into a Cowboys uniform making a big play. So if Olave's healthy, he, he was practicing this Wednesday, which is a good sign. Rashid Shaheed, those guys will need to really step up, but even then, it's going to be a tall task. I think the, there's an opportunity, but it's just it's not a big of a, a chance, yeah. in my opinion, because, man, this Eagles team is just so well rounded
1: weather forecast in Philly for Saturday um high 53 low 38 so the cold is not the problem but a 70% chance of rain so that uh we'll see what kind of an impact that holds if any on this thing um i just think it's fascinating just i, I don't know if there's an agent putting this stuff out or i don't know why it's coming out now this that and the other i just there's got to be a reason. Somebody's planting the seed somewhere for some reason. I just can't – I cannot put my finger on it. Uh, but it makes for some interesting talk, uh, Chris. It really does.
5: Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I say this all the time. Look, if, if you're not going to be a Super Bowl contender, the least you can do is be entertaining. And we all know about the Saints. There's really never a dull moment uh, with this team. And that's a good thing. I think that at least for the next couple of weeks and maybe even the next couple of months, something to talk about. and whether it's him coming back or Sean Payton going elsewhere, him coaching next year, that's going to be the big thing for the Saints because you're either going to get that draft compensation that will help you kind of retool this roster or he'll be there himself to try and figure it out. But I think if they're going to get back on the right path, it it all kind of starts with this Sean Payton domino falling. And once that goes down, I think everything will go into place. And, And I'm really excited to see where all the chips fall.
1: What would Sean Payton demand, you think, from a monetary standpoint?
5: I'd imagine that you got to start with asking for a day-one pick. I think if you're New Orleans, the fact that you don't have one, that's something that you would like to get back in return. And the the problem is, you know, it depends which teams are in the market for them, right? If it's Indianapolis, if it's Denver, uh, Denver's a little bit more interesting because they don't have their own first-round pick. They actually have the 49ers' first-round pick. So they'd probably mm-hmm. be a lot more willing to part ways with a pick that's in the 20s as opposed to the Colts who could be picking top five. But right. I'd imagine, you know, a day-one pick would be in there or maybe – uh, you know, mid-round compensation. I don't expect the John Gruden trade all, all over again, although I do think Sean Payton is worth that type of trade because he is just an absolute culture uh, changer for a lot of places. But, yeah, I think a day-one pick where you start, and if you get more than that, great, but at least that would give the Saints a, a young player for, you know, five years of control, and, and they've done a good job with the first-round picks lately outside of maybe a couple over the last five, six years.
1: I wonder what it would take to get Sean Payton from a monetary standpoint back to New Orleans. How much would he demand or command the Saints to pay him? $10 million a now, year?
5: I think, you know, it's probably more than that. And, look, if you're New Orleans, I think that's probably the least of your problems in terms of, hey, is it a bigger check that we have to write? You know, if you right. think one thing about the Saints, they're they are they're not afraid to pay. If they think <laughs> it's going to result in a Super Bowl, they'll pay. And, just look at the last couple of years, even with Breeze, uh, just going out there and getting those final pieces that they needed. And, you know, some didn't work, but they saw, hey, do we need yeah. Jared Cook? Okay, get Jared Cook. Do we need Emmanuel Sanders? Let's go get him. Who do we need on defense? We'll add them there. So uh, if it's money, I think that won't be a problem. That actually be a good thing for the Saints because we know Mrs. Benson and the rest of the group, they, they know that they need to spend to put out a winner. So uh, that would be interesting. The thing is the roster construction because when Sean leaves and he says it's a reset – Part of it has to be because, hey, I, I don't know if this team is, is one I can win with at the moment, right? Because if it yeah. was, you probably don't step away, um, you know, and, and take a year off. So he'd probably need to have some contingencies in place and, and some things promised. And, you know, that might not be easy because if Sean comes back, he doesn't have a first-round pick. He also doesn't have that much cap space to work with. So um, if, it's, if it is money, that'd be a good thing for the Saints. I just don't think it would just be money. They'd have to have yeah. some things in place, and he'd have to probably have some players lined up to play in New Orleans
1: with him. He is Chris Rosevaglu. Can't thank you enough, man. Happy happy New Year. Uh we'll see if the pels uh, the 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 Saints playoff live uh, line is still alive after Saturday in Philly. We shall see. Thank you so much, man. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Hope you guys enjoy the New Year. You got it. Chris Rosevaglu. Kind enough to join us. Um if you didn't get what you wanted from Santa, don't worry. We have the gifts you really want in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so go sign up today. Hump Day with Huguenin when we return. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it
0: is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of on3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest
1: Louisiana's sports station. In case you were wondering, at the Military Bowl, presented by Periton Duke 23, UCF 7, kind of surprises me with 241 to go in the third. Happy New Year early, Mr. Huguenin. How are you, Michael?
4: doing well and happy new year to you as well i think ucf's an example both their coordinators left a oh. better job so i think that's sort of a residue of that um I, I i tend to think that if your coaches leave the players are like well, who really cares so yeah. obviously malzahn is still there but the the fact that the the offensive and defensive coordinators have moved on to uh what they perceive as better jobs. Chip Lindsey, the OC, went to North Carolina. Travis Williams, the D.C., is the new D.C. at Arkansas. So uh, I think there's some residue of that uh, bothering UCF today.
1: Speaking of Arkansas, coming up at 4.30 today, Arkansas and Kansas, two six and 6-6 six teams. <clears throat> Arkansas started off on fire before they fell off as they got into league play yet again Uh, Kansas, one of those surprise teams, right? So, again, who wants to be there? Who wants to play? Um, What do you think of Kansas and Arkansas?
4: Yeah, not all six and six teams are created equal, and I think this is a perfect example. Arkansas, a lot was expected this year, expected to be you know, maybe a long shot contender for the SEC West, but to be in the hunt. They're not. They're six and six. Kansas was supposed to be a... Not just Big 12 bottom feeder, but oh my goodness, that's the worst program in Power Five. And instead, they're in a bowl. I think, yeah, I think Kansas is excited. I don't think Arkansas is excited. They've had a bunch of opt outs, a bunch of guys Mm -hmm. turning pro. I think I read where they have 53 scholarship guys available today. So Mm -hmm. um, I fully expect Kansas to win because I think Kansas is going to care a heck of a lot more than Arkansas
1: i'm with you one of the better games i think the san diego county credit union holiday bowl tonight uh it's a seven o'clock kickoff on fox um 15th ranked oregon nine and three nine and four north carolina i i like the quarterback at north carolina um I, this this seems might like, like it might be a pretty good game
4: yeah i think the potential is there if both teams show up fully invested um Oregon you know, lost their regular season finale, which kept them out of the Pac-12 title game. North Carolina comes in on a three-game losing streak, yeah. uh, including a loss to NC State, then a loss in the ACC title game. So on paper, you're right. I mean, Drake May versus Bo Nix, two quarterbacks who had phenomenal seasons, um, two offenses that put up a ton of points, uh, one defense that was bad, North Carolina's one defense that was mediocre. Oregon, if both teams show up fully invested, yeah, this is a good game. I'm not sure that's the case. Um, let's hope it is. Because this, yeah, you, you know, it's one thing, oh, you know, these two teams are six and six and neither one cares. Who cares? Because the game's yeah. garbage. This game potentially could be good if these teams show up ready to play.
1: One more game tonight. It's an eight o'clock kickoff. Um, the Tax Act Texas Bowl, seven and five Texas Tech against the Hottie Toddy eight-and-four Ole Miss Rebels.
4: Yeah, I think Ole Miss is another team that, you know, they started off a house of fire, and then I believe they were one-and-four in their last five games. Um, Texas Tech was a pleasant surprise. They weren't world beaters, but they did go seven-and-five with a new coach. Um, Their best players, uh, the the, the defensive lineman Tyree Wilson, the first-round pick, is not playing in this game. Um, again, I think it's all about being invested and caring. I'm not sure Ole Miss cares. Um, mm-hmm. Their season went south at the end of the season in a big way. Um, you know, if, if you lost to Mississippi State, um, I, I, I wonder again if 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 Ole Miss really cares about this game. <laughs> if they do, they, they should win, but yeah, because uh, they're better. But. Yeah, I, I I would not be surprised if Texas Tech wins because I'm not sure Ole Miss is going to care.
1: The college football fans dream three games today. You got three games Thursday. Syracuse seven and five taking on Minnesota. Row 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 your boat. The Minnesota uh, Golden Gophers. They're playing in the Bad Boy Motors Pinstripe Bowl. Is that the one that's in Yankee Stadium? Yankee Stadium,
4: yeah. And okay. I, yeah, that to me is about you know in, in Syracuse. Uh, I lived in New York City for a while. I believe Syracuse, the most Syracuse alum, the second most Syracuse alums anywhere are in New York City. So, again, another team that was, they started off 6-0, and which means they went 1-5 and down the stretch. I still think Syracuse fans will show up um, because they haven't been in a bowl in a couple of seasons. Plus, yeah, it's cool. They have games in the Stadium. That's pretty cool. Mm. Um, Minnesota is... A extremely boring team to watch, but they're extremely physical, and that's the one thing. You know, if this were a regular season game, I think the storyline would be: Can Syracuse hold up against Minnesota's physicality? Uh, I think this one is is either team going to show up ready to play? But Minnesota is extremely physical, and that's the one thing that Syracuse had all sorts of problems with this year. If you run right at them, they were not able to handle it. They, they, they don't start any defensive linemen more than 272 pounds,
1: mm-hmm. which
4: is sort of a staggering statistic
1: yeah, uh, in today's is.
4: college football.
1: I don't know what Cheez-It is forking out to be the host of bowl games. They're hosting uh, the, the Citrus Bowl that LSU and Purdue are playing, and they're also hosting the Cheez-It Bowl on Thursday with 6-6 six and six Oklahoma against, I think, one of the surprise teams, Florida State, 9-3. What a year. Uh, Coach Norvell and the Seminoles had.
4: Yeah, and I think Florida State, Oklahoma's defense has been bad all season. So Florida State, I think if, if I think they'll score forty plus points. Um, it is intriguing. Oklahoma quarterback is Dylan Gabriel, uh, the former UCF star. Um, there was a big story in the paper yesterday. McKenzie Milton, um, sort of. That's Gabriel's mentor in a way. They both went to the same high school in Hawaii. They're still extremely close. And Mackenzie Milton lives here in Orlando. Um, So in some respects, it's the old conquering hero coming home with Dylan Gabriel. The problem is Dylan Gabriel's defense is is horrendous. So I I think Mm -hmm. FSU wins, uh, frankly, quite easily. And you're right, this game has had a number of... Name changes. I think at one point this was the old Blockbuster Bowl Yeah, that's um, a couple right. years ago. I can't even remember how many name changes it's God. gone through in the last 10 years. I think it's three. Um, mm. They both played at the Camping World Stadium, which is the old Citrus Bowl. Yeah. Um, and the same organization puts on both games. But you're right. cheese it Expect to see a lot of cheese it ads <laughs> in the next couple of days.
1: Yes, that's right. Um, 8 o'clock Thursday. The Valero Alamo Bowl in the old Alamo Dome in San Antonio. Eight and four Texas, ranked 20th. This is a good one. 12th ranked Washington, 10 and two. I really like the Huskies in this one, but what do you think?
4: Yeah, um, Michael Penix has already said he's coming back uh, yeah. for Washington. He leads the nation in passing. So um, all their receivers are underclassmen. So Washington's offense is a full go. Texas will be missing not only Bijan Robinson, but also Roshan Johnson, their second string back, he's considered a second-day NFL pick. So both those guys, smartly to me, are sending this one out. Now, again, if this were two teams um, at full strength, this would be one of the top five or six bowl games. Because um, wow. Washington's offense man, Michael Penix, he is sort of like the poster child for the transfer portal. Um, you know, basically Indiana's like, we've given up on you, you're always hurt. So he goes to Washington, plays for his former Indiana offensive coordinator, and leads the nation in passing. <laughs> so he, he has had a phenomenal season. He's already said he's coming back. It's a fun offense to watch because I think deep down inside, if Penix didn't have to hand off, he'd be ecstatic. Because, yeah. man, that receiving core is really good. Um, They throw the ball well. He's well-protected. Texas is playing, frankly, a home game. Uh, I I think Washington wins, and I I think Washington would have beat Texas even at full strength.
1: Um,
4: Assuming Washington shows up ready to play, And I think they will. I think they're going to beat Texas.
1: That's the Thursday slate. Uh, Give me one game Friday that I should uh, focus on. I'll give you all all the games, folks. Maryland versus North Carolina State. Pitt versus UCLA. Notre Dame, South Carolina, Ohio, Wyoming, Tennessee, Clemson. What's the best game?
4: Man. Again, I think this all goes back to who shows up ready to play. Yeah. Um, maybe South Carolina, Notre Dame, um, because, you know, Spencer Rattler's coming back. Um, mm-hmm. They did lose their tight Yeah, I think Anton Wells, I don't know. These games are not. It's hard to comment on any of these because, yes. you know, on paper, hey, that's a good matchup. Oh yeah, he's out, he's out, he's transferred, uh, he's hurt. Um, Tennessee, Clemson would be good if Hennon, well, Hooker wouldn't be playing though. Right. But um, that, you know, that, there's still some intrigue there. What does Joe Milton do at quarterback for Tennessee? Um, because Clemson, you know, without DJ Uyunglele, I don't think that's a big deal, frankly. Kate Klubnick making his first start. For Clemson, which is, uh, I think, the beginning of the Klubnik era, because I think he'll be uh, starting for two more years. Uh, there's, so there's some, there's a little bit of intrigue in each one of these games, but I think for mm-hmm. the most part, um, if you got other stuff to do on Friday, eh, fine, do it.
1: Yeah, save it for Saturday because that's yeah. the big ones. And we'll uh, take a quick time out here. We'll talk about the Final Four and uh, get Mike's thoughts on some of the other SEC teams that still have bowl games yet to play. When we return. To Hump Day with Hagan and here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip
0: and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Thirty-five minutes after the hour on this Wednesday, December twenty-eighth, the year twenty-twenty-two, counting down to when we get to celebrate the new year uh, coming up on Sunday. Mike Hugan and Hump Day with Hugan, and we continue. Um, we've gone through the games through Friday. Uh, Saturday is the big day. Uh, you've got Iowa versus uh, Kentucky. Um, it's tough when you have to kick off at eleven o'clock in the morning, but that's the trans perfect. I've never heard of that. TransPerfect Music City Bowl in Nissan Stadium in Nashville. Can the Cats beat the the no-offense Iowa Hawkeyes?
4: Yeah, I think this is a game where first team to 10 points wins.
1: Um, <laughs> and it's
4: sad. I mean, Iowa's offense is, is atrocious. Kentucky's going to have some key guys sitting out. But even with that, I I, you know, I, I think Kentucky can play – uh, you know our defense is at seventy-five percent. Well, that's good because you'll you'll still keep Iowa under ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, again, Iowa's defense though is quite good. Uh, that's, that's a game where <laughs> yeah, it, this if that were the night game on New Year's Eve, you could fall asleep to that quickly. That's right. But it's because it starts the day off. I think the problem is as a lead-in, you're going to be drowsy when the when the uh, better games kick off. Unfortunately.
1: Yeah. It's tough. It's tough to be in New Orleans and have an 11 o'clock kickoff, but that's what they have for the Sugar Bowl this year. Alabama, Kansas State, you know, Alabama's got their two, their star offensive player, defensive player playing. Kansas State's a good ball club. This is one of those who really wants to be here kind of things. I think Kansas State does. Yeah,
4: and I think you know Alabama. You you uh, you praise Bryce Young and Willie Anderson for playing. Yeah, that's that's a classy yeah. move. You know, we want to play with our teammates. We want to you know show pride in the program. But goodness gracious, you hope those two don't get hurt because if they get hurt severely, they've cost themselves millions with an X. Yeah. dollars. Yeah. And this game, I don't care about team. It doesn't mean anything. So you hope that those two guys don't get hurt. And right. you figure that if they're showing up ready to play, their teammates will as well. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. I think Kansas State. There's absolutely no question. They're ecstatic to be there. Yes. Uh, I still wonder if it's if it's sort of a uh, this sounds bad, a false bravado for for Alabama. Hey, you know, uh, Bryce Young's playing. Will Anderson's playing. We're all we're all in on this. Well, are you right. really? Because at at Alabama, ten and two. In a New Year six game, that's a disappointing season it right really now. Is. So yep. I, I really yep. wonder how jacked up Alabama is going to be to play
1: Mike Cugan on 3com The final four gets underway Saturday, three o'clock Central Time. Uh, third seeded TCU, twelve and one, losing in the Big Twelve Championship game. Michigan, uh, the last time we saw them, it seemed like they were destroying Ohio State. Had no problem in their championship, thirteen and zero. What's the key to this thing, and, and, and who do you think comes out and wins it?
4: T- TCU's got to run the ball with Kendra Miller. He has to be successful. Um, I-, I think the one thing, this is going to sound very 1950s-esque, but TCU's a gritty team with, you know, with Moxie. It right. sounds like I'm describing a yeah, high school team from the 50s, but right. you know, they fall behind 10 14 17-0, and it has not bothered them. Um, I don't, if they fall behind 17-0 against Michigan, they ain't rallying, so right. they need to play on a sort of an even footing in the first half, they need Kendra Miller to be in a, a successful on the ground, because they're not going to beat Michigan just throwing the ball, um, and I think Quentin Johnston, the TCU receiver, can make some big plays, if TCU is able to run the ball. In other words, the safeties need to be worried about the running game and not strictly Quentin Johnston. The flip side, Blake Corm's out, and he is Michigan's best player. Um, but it did not hurt them against Ohio State. But nope. so, in some respects, though, okay, Coram played early in that game. He got two carries, and he went to the sideline. And I think Michigan's players were like thinking, okay, fine, Well, we'll pick up the slack. Well, now they've, for a month now, Blake Corham's not playing. And I wonder if, in a weird way, that's worse to know. Um, Hmm. We'll we'll find out. Michigan, obviously, the more physical team. um, And if they run the ball, you know, if if Donovan Edwards runs for 125 or so, this could get nasty. But, again, I think TCU's well coached. Um, They're used to coming back. Um, again, though, they can't fall behind by double digits because the Michigan defense will, is better than anything else they've seen. I still think this game will be entertaining into the fourth quarter, though I think Michigan does win.
1: And that's when Michigan kind of, that offensive line takes yeah, over. Yeah, it just pound you to yep. submission. It might be close for a while, but I think in the end, Michigan will will grind it out and get uh, Jim Harbaugh to the national championship game. The night cap, seven o'clock. Um... Ohio State, the four seed, eleven and one. They are only lost to Michigan. Georgia trying to go back to back national champions. The uh, the the Bulldogs are Kirby Smart are thirteen and zero. Did Georgia catch a, a bad break having to face Ohio State, or do you think they're just much better?
4: I think they're better, but uh, yeah, if I'm Georgia, I'd rather play TCU than Ohio State. Ohio State has heard for you know they heard for two weeks. You guys reek, pathetic. Yep. Your season's oh look, you get another chance. So, um, do they take advantage of that second chance? And, you know, it's hard to it's hard to believe a team that's eleven and one has been denigrated as much as they have been. But they've admitted we have a chip on our shoulder because after we lost to Michigan, we heard that the season was a massive disappointment. Mm-hmm. We underachieved. They went eleven and one. So, yeah. if Travion yeah. Henderson and Mayan Williams were playing. I actually think Ohio State had a, it's like a 60-40 kind of game. But Travion Henderson is not playing. He's out. Mayan Williams is day-to-day, and they won't know until Friday if he's playing. So I think Ohio State's chances for an upset have dropped a heck of a lot. Um, But I think if if they can protect C.J. Stroud, Mm -hmm. uh, I think they can do some damage against the Georgia secondary. Now, the most explosive offense Georgia has seen this year was Tennessee's, and they just manhandled the balls. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State's offensive line is much better than Tennessee's. It probably yeah. has four future NFL guys. Um, Ohio State has a sneaky, good tight end, and their receivers, even without Smith and the Jigba, these dudes are studs, man. Yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr., I don't think people – he's – Forget the name, because his his dad was awesome, but this kid's really, really talented. So if they can keep C.J. Stroud upright, I think they can do some damage. The problem is I don't know if Ohio State's defense is going to be able to hold up. They did not hold up against Michigan, like you said, in the second half. Michigan just basically said, we're running the ball and you can't stop us. I think at some starting midway to the third quarter, I think, McCarthy could have come to the line and said, hey, Ohio State, we're running between this gap, and right. it wouldn't have helped Ohio State stop the Michigan running game. So um, Ohio State says, well, you know, we got some things planned, blah, blah, blah. I just don't know if they're physical enough, that linebacker especially. Um, I, again, I think this game could be, uh, I expect a relatively close game at halftime, but, but I think Georgia pulls away. But again, if, if Henderson and Mayan Williams were both 100%, this game would be a heck of a lot more intriguing. Then again, if those two guys were 100, percent I think Ohio State would have won the Big Ten.
1: Yeah. What what is it about Georgia? I mean, you know, you think of Stetson Bennett. I've been there, done that. Uh, not many other big time name players offensively. No. They got a really good defensive lineman, but other than that, it's just kind of a. I guess it's a just a team, right?
4: Yeah, it's a machine right now. Uh, Brock Bowers is a special player at tight end.
1: Um, but you Look at their him. receiving yes.
4: core. I mean, Lad McConkey. He's. I mean, come on, Marvin. Yeah. Marvin Harrison is better running backwards than Lad McConkey is running right. forward. Um, right. There's not. A, they're not even same stratosphere when it comes to talent level. But McConkey does things that he's able to do because Todd Monken puts him in great situations. And yeah, I'm not denigrating McConkey, but talent wise, he's not close to Harrison. But he is good um bowers is a mismatch nightmare the running backs are all solid though there's no star the offensive line is big and physical and talented the defensive Mm -hmm. line is deep even without nolan smith the linebackers are unheralded but there are a lot of them and they knock the snot out of you they got good (laughs) players in the secondary it's just a good all-around team uh and you're right stetson Bennett. You know, last year it was like, "Oh my God, they're going to win the they're going to win the national title with Stetson Bennett." And this year, it's almost as if Bennett plays with a swagger now. Yeah. Um, he seems extremely comfortable in the spotlight. Um, he and he's, he's 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 what a great story. He's I mean, yeah. he's by all accounts just a fantastic guy. Right. He's playing, you know, he he grew up wanting to be a bulldog. Went to games when he was like two years old with his dad, all right. that kind of stuff. So small town. Southern Georgia guy, salt-of-the-earth kind of guy. So, But, yeah, you're right. You look at Georgia individually, they're all good. But like, okay, outside of Brock Bowers, who's the best player on the team? Well, yeah. Most teams in the, in the college football playoff, you know who, okay, he's best, he's second best, he's third best. Right. Georgia, it's like Brock Bowers and then... Oh, 16 guys are the same almost. It's it, yeah, it really. Right.
1: That's right. Sort All of right. um We both think Michigan and Georgia are going to survive yes. and advance to the championship. Of If you could pick a team that you think had the best chance to upset Michigan or Georgia, would, would it be TCU upsetting Michigan or would it be Ohio State beating Georgia?
4: You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking it would be Ohio State. Because I thought that perhaps Henderson and Williams could play, yep. and even when when I found out Henderson was out, I'm like, you know, Mayan Williams is really good. Maybe so. But again, if he uh, he's not even going to play, maybe so. Yep. If Mayan Williams plays, I would say Ohio State's got a slightly better chance than TCU. But again, TCU they're sort of like the ultimate underdog here. Um, think t c u with a first year coach, they had a losing record last year, yeah, so that's right. um, Dykes has done a great job they they're playing so much looser, and that 's what the coaching change did. I think coaching yeah. change at lSU made a big difference in the mood of the team, and I think the exact same thing has happened in Fort Worth to the nth degree um yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, TCU, again, I don't know how – you might be a big Michigan fan. You might be a big Georgia fan. You might be a big Ohio State fan. But if how, how can you pull against TCU, man?
1: Because that's just a
4: great story. All right, let's move a on. a bunch of good dudes. Let's, I mean, Duggan, Yeah, let's
1: move on to, to yeah, Monday, Duggan's the Relya Quest Bowl. Um, I don't know how Mississippi State handles uh, after the death of Coach Leach. They're going up against Brett Bielema and the Fighting Illini. Both teams are 8-4. Uh, this is on uh, Monday at 11 a.m. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I don't. You're right, Mississippi State. I mean, your coach died. Yeah. I don't know how jacked up you can be to play. Uh, and maybe you all sort of coalesce around each other, and we're going to win this for Coach Leach. Um, but you know the two of their top four receivers are gone transfer portal. Um, I, yeah, that's and you wonder. I'm sure some Mississippi State players are excited. We're going to show we're going to show everybody how much we Coach Leach meant to us. But I also think there's got to be a couple guys going. This is not the way we should be handling things in the wake of the coach of our in the wake yeah. of the death yeah. of our coach. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I think Very much. I think Illinois defense is quite good anyway, though. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if Illinois won anyway.
1: All right, the Good Year Cotton Bowl Classic, a good, the, the surprise team of the year. Um, Tulane Greenway of 11-2, 16th ranked, taking on the Heisman Trophy winner from Southern Cal. The Trojans are 10th ranked. This is a noon kickoff in the Cotton Bowl. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I think Tulane's going to be jacked up to be there. And I'll be honest, yeah. I think if you're USC, you're like, we're playing Tulane? Come on. So yeah. maybe that gives Tulane uh, some extra impetus. I think uh, I like Pratt. Uh, Ty J. Spears is a stud, and yes. USC's defense, I don't care if they played, whoever they played, that's not a good unit. So I mm-hmm. think Tulane could do some damage, but I don't see Tulane's defense <laughs> slowing Caleb Williams in that offense, again, if USC truly cares. So yeah. I think that Tulane, even with a loss, so it's, what a phenomenal season. I mean, going to a New Year's Six Bowl a year after you went 2-10, that's phenomenal. Yeah.
1: Phenomenal. Mike Hugen and On3.com. Same time um, as that bowl game is the second Cheez-Its Citrus Bowl. Uh, Camping World Stadium, LSU, Purdue, we find out today. Kayshawn Booty is not going to play. That tells me something academically. Um, but he is enrolled in, in the spring school semester, so he's coming back. Um, Jaden Daniels is going to play. He's coming back next year. Uh, Purdue lost their coach, their quarterback, their two best receivers. LSU's favored 14.5.
4: Yeah, I think LSU, I mean, the the Purdue's three best defensive linemen, Portal. Their best offensive linemen, Portal. Um, The quarterback sitting out. Like you said, Charlie Jones had a great season at receiver sitting out. One of their corners sitting out. So, uh, yeah, LSU, even without, they, they could play without two or three receivers. Mm-hmm. And still win this game because I think LSU's better anyway. But then mm-hmm. Purdue, all the opt-outs, all the transfers. I think LSU wins this game quite comfortably.
1: All right, and finally the last one, um, the granddaddy of them all, so they say, the Rose Bowl game. Uh, Penn State, eleventh ranked, ten and two, taking on Utah, the eighth ranked Utes, who are ten and three.
4: Yeah, Penn State. It's weird. They're they're ten and two, um, and they finished third in their division. And they're in the Rose Bowl, and those two losses were one-sided games. So it's pretty nice reward for having a slightly disappointing season. Yeah. Um, Penn and you know Penn State they can play Utah can play. Um, I think both these teams will be ready to play, show up, do some nice things. Um, interesting quarterback matchup. Um, I, I think I love, Penn State's better.
1: I love rising from Utah. Yeah. I like him. I
4: think him. I think Penn State's better. Um, but, you know, Utah was in this game last year, lost to Ohio State in an epic game. Um, but, yeah, and, and frankly, the cam rising is good. And if Penn State covers the tight ends, which you, USC did not do this year when they lost twice to Utah, I think that if, as long as Penn State covers Dalton Kincaid, Penn State's going to win this game.
1: Mike Huguenin, you must be heaven on earth, man. Game after game after yes. game. Thank you for your your picks, your expertise, and have a happy, happy new year, my friend. Because all we have to do now is talk about one more game in college football. We can finally talk Who? college basketball. Yes. 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 Thank you, my friend. All right, talk to you next week. Happy New Year. You're the best. Who are set. Tune in next week
0: to The Jordy Holberg Show for Hump Day with Huguenot. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to The Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Okay, a fun, fun day today. Special thanks, John Brady, LSU, Arkansas. Listen to it right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Tip against the ninth-ranked Hogs is at 9 p.m. Shamit Dua previewing the Pels and the T-Wolves. 7 o'clock in the Smoothie King Center. Chris Rosleglew sean payton tom brady combo to the saints yeah who knows who knows and mike huganen of on3.com with all of his college football um bowl game picks he picks lsu to win he's got georgia and michigan meeting in the national championship if today is your birthday december 28th happy birthday from all of us to all of you uh denzel washington One of my all-time favorites is 68 years old. Former LSU Tiger, never forget against Rice. I think he caught six touchdown passes. Carlos Carson, 64 today. Former LSU baseball player, now in the big leagues. Austin Nola is 33 years old today. And a teammate of mine, we called him the astronaut uh, from Dallas, Texas, Dwayne Scales is 64 years young today. Happy birthday, astronaut. What could he play? Holy cow. Uh, James Mesh, thank you so much for all you do. Uh, tomorrow, we'll get some NFL picks with the Schwab. We'll recap the LSU basketball game, the Pels game, and whatever else comes down the pipeline. No Kayshawn booty for the Tigers in the bowl game. Until tomorrow, stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Have a great day.